on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. You've been in that place where failure was potentially, it was on the table. You just disregarded it completely. I'm not, I'm not even interested in going down that road. I shut that yeah. part of my brain off. I'm going to figure out the problem. I'm going to you know, bring a solution. We're going to go to the next level, whatever that, that looked like. Give me one of those moments where failure was on the table and you said, freaking get out of here. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got a queen on the stage, Lori Hellbush. Lori, thanks for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. I, I just appreciate, I was giving you right before the record button hit that, uh, you know, we have, we have queens on the stage because king isn't masculine, but that uh, there's lots of good stuff that come from female entrepreneurs. We've had plenty of guests. I love that we get to add you to that mix, but tell us what kind of business that you have, Lori. Yeah, so I own a specialty wine, beer, and spirits store. We also have a bar, so it's a full bar, craft cocktails, wine by the glass, draft beers. And then we have a private room, which I'm sitting in right now, where we do events also. So we do tastings and classes, or, and we can also rent out our room for you know, meetings, baby showers, whatever. Yeah. You've taken what I, what I love, what I already know about you a little bit. I'm anxious to get to know you better. But what I know about already is that I love that you've taken this retail concept of selling a product and you've turned it into an experience. Yes, that's you put the you put the words to it just exactly right. That so I I'm actually I bought my business. I didn't start it. It was about 30, 35 years old when I bought it. And it was a successful business, but the guy that owned it had owned it the whole time. And he was just ready to retire and he was not sort of taking it to the next level at that point. So he didn't have sure. a website, yeah. he, you know, was still using manual cash registers and all of that. And wow. I grew up around this, I grew up in the area, so I grew up around this business. And I, I had just watched it and thought, man, you could do so much with that. The concept is all there, but it's, you know, it just needs, it needs like a makeover. And yeah, that was really, my goal was to make it, take it from a transaction to an experience. Yeah. I, I love that, that language that we, we say sometimes transcending the transaction or transcending the ticket. Those things are real. It's not just this, you know woo type of a sentence that we say to feel good on a podcast, but it's real. Right. You can change a product experience into, or a product purchase into an, an experience. So I definitely want to get into that, especially with you, you know, being in the area and seeing it, how it once was before and how you do it now. I'm sure that it, it's night and day. So I want to get into that. Before we do get into your journey and some of the practicals of your business, I want to know, Lori, what's the burning desire down deep? What's the why? What's the bigger picture? Why are you doing this? Yeah. So. Honestly, like I was thinking about that. I think it's really that for me, failure is not. So anytime that I start to start to feel, I guess, overwhelmed or burnt out, I, yeah. I just, in the end, I'm like, but failure is not an option. So you keep going, you keep putting one yeah. foot in front of the other. 
And, you know, a lot of it also the answer is my my daughters. I have two daughters and I feel like it's my role to be an example to them of what is possible in their lives. And so I yeah. take that seriously. And I feel like it's really important to show them to just keep keep trying to better yourself and keep trying to go to the next level. So yeah, yeah kind of two answers. I, I refuse to fail <laughs> and just being an example for my kid. Yeah, both both super powerful and almost two ends of the spectrum there of of you know psycho connection to your daily actions. That that refusal to fail. I want to I want to just press in on that for just a half second because the way that you said it, I felt that you had drawn the line, right? <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of people that I'm not gonna fail or failure is not an option. Maybe even if, if they say it that strongly, most don't say it that strongly. Even in the midst of saying those words, I could tell like you've been in that place where failure <laughs> was potentially it was on the table. You just you just disregarded it completely. I'm not I'm not even interested in going down that road. I shut that yeah. part of my brain off. I'm going to figure out the problem. I'm going to you know bring a solution. We're going to go to the next level, whatever that that looked like. Give me one of those moments where failure was on the table and you said, freaking get out of here. Yeah. So I've owned a business for 15 years and there have been, I would call it two moments over those 15 years. So I moved my business eight years ago. And the first moment was after I bought the business about two to three years in, I realized this is not what I was sold and, and kind of had to dig in deep and figure out, okay, maybe the numbers weren't what they were purported to be, but I'm in this position now. So how do I move forward? Yep. So that was the first moment. I was able to slime my way out, figure out, you know, what do my numbers need to look like? How do I get there? Come up with a plan, work the plan, probably the most important part, right? <laughs> and then yeah. was able to turn it around to the point that then at seven years, I had the opportunity to move and had to make that decision and then moved. And essentially, I was restarting my business because I, I yes. only moved about a mile away, but I moved to a totally different type of development from like a uh, strip mall, you know, destination, you have to mean to go there to a very, very high traffic mixed use development where there are concerts and farmers markets and tons of things happening around me and the layout's different. And I'm basically starting over with a new business. So it was about two years into that, that, you know, I had another moment of, of this isn't working the way we're doing it. And I need to figure that out. So, uh, you know, again, just really like digging in on numbers and digging in, really being honest with myself and about what's going on and coming up with solutions. And, you know, the other piece of that is bringing my team in. It's being being able to I had to sit my management team down and be honest with them about what was happening and be honest with them about their role in turning it around and, and what I needed from them. So a lot of it, I really think just comes down to be honest with yourself and be willing to be vulnerable and ask for help. And people want to help you. Yeah. And we've been able to turn it around. And now it's, you know, it's, it's exactly what I envisioned it would be 15 years ago, just on a much more bumpy path to get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I think it's always a little bumpier than we, than we, than right. we thought. <laughs> right. Exactly. Expect the bumps, right? Where is he felt? Yeah, we 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 know it's going to be bumpy, but when the bumps come, we're like, I didn't, I, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I feel that in your story. But it's interesting that you say the first step was being honest, because 
even in some of the consulting work that one of my companies does for the home service industry, my very first step in that is you got to be honest. You got to look in the mirror. You got to look at what the business is. You got to look at what the team is. You got to look at what your experience is, the problems, the current solution. Like, let's just put it all under the table and let's just be honest. Because if you're not honest, then you're like purposely blinding yourself from what the actual problem is. And so then therefore there can be no solution. Right. How do you fix a problem when you won't even admit it's there, right? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Everything that you've given so far, I just want to point this out to the listener because I'm a huge personality, you know, like I get into the nitty gritty with the, with the way that people think. So you've given logical answers the entire time. Like even, you know, which it, it you have to be able to like um, operate in logic to make sound decisions. But it was like, not for none, it, it, you talked about your daughters. You talked about the emotional connection that you have to not failing. Those things aren't logical. Quitting is oftentimes what's logical. There so were like, definitely moments that it might have been more logical to quit, but it just, yeah. to me, it just, yeah. So I, I guess the, the, the point there that I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, and I want you to kind of maybe give a response to this, is that I'm hearing you make sound, like well thought out, let me be honest with myself and my team type decisions, which is logic. But you you self-guarded yourself from maybe those bad decisions around that maybe it's the emotion or maybe it's logic in those moments of failure or I don't want to do this or it's not working or this isn't what I was sold. Like all of those really heightened, intense moments, you just like cut off the, the door of failure. You just said, it's not even, I'm not even going to go down that road. Was that logic? Is it emotion? Is it a mixture of both? Like just generally, what, what's your response to all this that I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I guess I'd say it's a mixture of both because I mean, like I said, logically, there may have been points that I'm, I'm just trying to think through it as I'm, as I'm talking, but yeah. at one point, logically, it, it, you might've made an argument that it would make more sense to just close the at other points. Not so much because we're in a lease, you know, you're, you're stuck in your lease anyway, you're going to owe that money anyway. And so because I don't own my building. So even financially, I think it just to me wasn't an option because yeah. I don't yeah. have a safety net. I don't have somebody that's going to come in and bail me out. So I've got to figure it out. And yeah. I also I mean, just from the emotional aspect of it, like, I just don't want that to be my story. And I don't want it to be the story that my that my kids know about me that I live with. And and yeah. that tip. So I guess emotionally, those are the reasons that it's yeah. just so. I, I love I love just your you know even just working through that live time here with us because because it is both it is both it's not like you just can always just calculate everything you know one two three one two three or x plus hey. y equals z but in those moments we do have to be honest got to look at things logically so I think you gave a great actually side of of both both ways to do it so going into your story here like how did you come across buying this business that you knew about it been there for decades give us a yeah. little bit of stuff what did you do before. Yeah. So it's an existing business that was kind of in the neighborhood where I grew up. And it's, it is a liquor store, but it also had a New York style deli. So I grew up coming to lunch here and, you know, accompanying my parents if they were buying something on the liquor store side, but because it's a very high end liquor store. So, you know, you can come in and get French wines and Italian wines and fun cocktail ingredients. But on the deli side, 
So I'm a lawyer. I was previously a lawyer to buying this business. And yeah. when I was at the law firm where I worked before this, I it was like every other Friday, I would pick my grandmother up and bring her to lunch here. And so, yeah, it was just this. I knew about it, obviously, but I had this sort of nostalgia for it also. And the owner was, you know, around sometimes. And my parents kind of knew him as an acquaintance. acquaintance and so one day I was talking to him when I had my grandma in with me and he mentioned, he's like, oh, you're a lawyer. You know, maybe you know somebody that wants to buy my business. I'm looking at selling the business. And it like planted a seed and I didn't do anything about it for like a year or two. I just sort of sat on this information. And then wow. I heard a rumor that he had found someone and I was like, what? Somebody gets to own this? Somebody get that. That's going to be somebody's job. They get to run that business. That's amazing. And I was kind of kicking myself that I didn't consider it. And then when I saw him again, I said, hey, congratulations, I heard you sold. And he said, no, it fell through. So immediately I was like, we have to have a conversation then. I don't know where this is going to go, but but I need to have a conversation with you about that being me. And he was like, what? what? Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. I love that story. I, you know, it's funny. Again, you, you've done just a really good job here giving us like, you know, two sides of the coin. The, the first side is that, you know, you got information and but yet you kind of just sat on it, didn't do much with it, but then quickly put yourself in a position. It's just like, for whatever reason, it needed to resonate with you differently. And when it did, yes. boom, you were, you were yes. an action taker, implementer. I can clearly tell like, you're just like, boom, 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 put it like, let's just do this thing. Yep. And so in that moment, was it the, was it like a little bit of FOMO that someone else was going to get it? Or what was the, like the brain switch for you? You know, it was the fear of regret. It was like, mm. I'm going to be 10 years, 20 years down the road, and I'm going to be, you know, fighting to make partnership in this law firm, right? Maybe I'll be a partner, but I'll be working my tail off to make money for a lot of other people. And I, and I'm going to look back and I'm going to wish that I had, had taken this opportunity to do something I loved and build yeah. something for myself. And yeah. it was, yeah, I mean, I was very well aware that I'm like, this is, somewhat crazy that I'm leaving a, a perfectly comfortable, successful practice of law to take on this massive amount of risk. But I just, I was like, I can't live with the possible regret that I don't try. So yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> I've said this already like three times, but I just, I love every little piece here because it's so, you are so making logical choices, but like with this like deep seated Forget all of that. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it anyway. I just yeah. love it. I love the energy around. Yeah. Well, it it look, it's it's you know, clearly there's skill sets that you have that has helped you not only learn and study law, be successful as as a, an attorney, but but then to be able to have that spirit inside of you that says, you know what, I'm maybe I can do it for myself. Like only entrepreneurs think like that. That that, that little bud. <laughs> You know, stems up in a lot of people, but then the entrepreneurs are the one that say, you know what? I know it's massive risk, even more so for you because you categorized it. You knew how from like a, like from like a legal perspective, how to actually categorize it as massive risk. Yes. Most people are like, I don't know, let's just do a business. And you're like, no, yeah. I've calculated it. This it's is actual well massive risk. Yeah. I'm going to do it anyway. Yep. Let's do it. this. All right. Lori, inside of the business, you kind of already given us a little bit of this, but I want you to and maybe pull up the same point. We'll go further or maybe something different, but I want a good decision that you made somewhere along the line here that you can look back and because of this one thing, 
it's led to a lot of success or you would you you would do it over and over again something that we can do in our business yeah so i think the best decision is probably the move it's it's taking it being in one location that you know having bought the business struggled for the first few years and had to turn it around deciding to move was another massive risk because i did yeah. turn it around and got it to the point where i'm like i can make a living off of this i can build an asset but now I have this opportunity to move this business to a much higher traffic area, get a lot more exposure, grow it, take on more square footage. And, you know, obviously that's a huge risk. But the way I looked at it was, you know, I bought my business pretty young. I was 30 when I bought it. And so I was like 37, 36 at the time I was making the decision. And I was like, I, I didn't do this to coast the rest of the way down this path in the position that I'm in. I did this to to build something. So go big or go home. So it was really a, a yeah, a go big or go home moment. It was it was do it or regret again, like do it or regret that I that yeah. I didn't make more, as much out of this as I could. Yeah, and it really I, felt like I, it was an unfulfilled vision, also because in the old location there was only so much I could do to make it look and feel the way I wanted it to. Right. And so it was an opportunity to like, this is my version of this business. So I inherited, right. you know, this other person's version. This is really my opportunity with a blank slate to like grow it up and really make it what I thought it could be. Yeah. There's just a lot of power in that moment. How would you translate that? I mean, you're list I mean, we got, you know, thousands of listeners who are hearing your story right now. And they're trying to figure out what that go big moment is for them. Maybe it's removing their retail location. Maybe they're in the trades or they're in marketing or something like that where they need to go all in again. Uh -huh. What do you think that that looks like for business owners in general? What is the thing that scares you the most? And and you're, if you really dig in and you're, again, honest with yourself on what's the thing that scares you the most, the answer is probably in there or connected to that somewhere. Yeah, you're right. Because those those things that scare us, typically we shy away from naturally, right? Survival, where that's how our brains are wired. And so yeah. we we stay away from those things. Okay, so if I'm if I'm identifying the thing that scares me, you said that maybe that's it or maybe it's associated to. For you, how like... Did you get the knock on the door of like, hey, we're building this other cool building over here. You want to be part of it? Or were you like, oh, my goodness, I, I need to create something different. And you went looking for it. So funny enough, it's a little bit of both. So the developer for the area I'm in now came to me a few years prior or two when I actually decided to move and said, hey, we've got a space open. We're coming, opening soon. Can I get you to come down here? And at the time, I was pregnant with my second daughter and my least still had like three years left on it. And I just said, you know, I'm interested, but the timing is not right for me. So uh, it just wasn't going to happen then. So it was about two years later that I knew my lease in the old location was coming due. I had like a year and a half left. And for those of you that have leases, don't start when it's six months out <laughs> trying to decide <laughs> if you're going to renew your lease. Give yourself a long runway. So okay. I was like a year and a half out. And, and said, you know, I need to start figuring out what's going to happen at the end of this lease. And so I just went back to him and said, hey, I, you know, I know you, you probably feel that. I know they feel that space already, but do you have anything else in your development? I need to start looking. And he's like, well, actually, the, the, that space is coming due again. So if you're still interested, oh. we can talk again on that space. So uh, yeah, it was kind of a mix of both. 
Yeah. I love, I love that. Uh, like you said, it, it was a, it was a drop. It was a seed, very similar to the business. Um, mm -hmm. You logically made a choice of that's shiny object right now. I, I shouldn't deal with that. Yeah. Uh, but the emotion of that fulfills a, a different vision of how I see this business, but it's not the right time. I just think that there's just so much poise in everything that you've shared. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the attorney in you. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but timing this, uh, really matters, though, you know, on these big decisions. It's, it's, that's right. It's got, it has to feel right. I guess that's the other point I was going to make is when you're when you're making big decisions, the thing that you're most afraid of, you need to dig in on that. But also you really just have to gut check and be yeah. honest with yourself and be self-aware. And the, and whatever that spidey sense is you're feeling about it, you have to listen to it and yeah. trust trust your own judgment. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing maybe a distinction between like knowing like poise is analyzing and knowing what decision you're going to make and when as opposed to delaying like i'm just slowly making a decision i'm not taking action that's not poise i hear you say look evaluate make a decision but then it may not be right now uh -huh. what would you say to that yeah i i, I just think Thinking through all of the factors and making sure that that each factor lines up is is the key. And right. when I'm when I'm sitting on those decisions for a year or two and you know or longer, it's not that it's not running through my head and then I'm not thinking about it. And and I also think it's important. It's if you're not going to move forward with something, it doesn't have to be a no period. It can be a not now or it can be a, you know, just continue to consider. So trying not to look at things as so black and white can be helpful uh, yeah. and maybe looking for creative solutions where maybe not that space, but maybe a different space, maybe not now, but maybe two years. Through. So, you know, we, I think we tend to think, think of things as black and white, but that's, that's not always the way they are. Yeah. Especially in business. It's rarely, it's rarely black. Right. So that's good. Let's flip the coin. Lori, tell us about a time that you made a bad decision, something that maybe we can learn from. Yeah. So all of my worst decisions, I can pinpoint to not trusting my own judgment. Interesting. And yeah. they, they, most of my worst decisions revolve around bringing somebody else in that I they give too much leeway or too much power to in deciding how things are going to be within my business. So, you know, example is I hired someone quite a few years ago now, but really when I hire people, my goal is hire the right person for the job, put them in the right role and then get out of their way. So I tend to be a fairly hands-off, like I'm involved, but I don't micromanage. Right. Right. And so I hired somebody that, you know, purported to have all the, the credentials and qualifications and, but started making decisions that were not decisions I would make. And I kind of let it happen because I was doubting my own judgment. And mm. uh, this was in one of those moments where it was a turn this around or it's not going to work. And so I kind of wasted some time there by yeah. letting somebody else make those decisions for me and wasted some time and money. And, you know, in the end, being honest with myself about the situation is what allowed me to identify and, and pivot and say, look, this isn't going to work. I need to take this back on myself. I need to be the one steering the ship here. But 
it all comes from the, those bad decisions all come from doubting yourselves. And yeah. when it's your business, you know it best. You have to trust, you have to trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you gave a great distinction there of this is not you with a power grab of like, I gave away too much power and I want it back. Yeah, not it, at all. I would love to give it all away. <laughs> And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like that. We don't know how to, we don't know how yeah. to let go. But then in your example, very similar to you is I know how to give it away for sure. But sometimes you give it away either too soon without enough training, or maybe we're just not in a, as much of alignment as I thought we were. Yeah. Uh, and so what would you say to that person who's maybe like us or what, what, you, what have you done on the next hires since then to make sure that there's more alignment or maybe more training or maybe you know, better decision-making so that you can actually still hand it off and you don't have to be the power grab, you know, type of boss. Well, well I think for me, uh, it's staying involved. So, you know, at the, at the time, especially in that example that I gave, it was, it was kind of a, uh, you must know better than me, take the reins and I'll let you make decisions that I would normally make. And, you know, I have a management team here and I give, I put a lot of trust in my management team and give them a lot of leeway. But we meet every single week and we meet every other week with a slightly larger team that's kind of a strategic growth team. And so and we talk every day. I mean, we work and interact with each other every day. So it's right. really it's really staying on top of those things and staying involved in, in the decisions. So I think, you know, it was a it was a busy time in my life. I had very young children at the time and when this right. other person was here and and so it was easier, even easier to to just here take the reins for a little bit while I catch up with with my own life. But you know that that ended up being the wrong decision. So now I've learned stay more involved and and communicate communicate with my management team and communicate with the people that are that you do entrust to make decisions. That's right. That's right. Yeah. What's that old old saying? They don't they don't respect what you or they they respect what you inspect. Oh, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're paying attention. You're being more involved. It doesn't mean that you need to make the decisions. It doesn't mean that you have to have the power in that moment that you're not giving away autonomy, but your involvement in that and and really just aligning yourself with your team on a regular basis. Yeah. And having conversations around, you know, values and and how to make decisions. What right. what are our goals? What are we going for? And is this yeah. is this worth our goal? That's right. That's right. Yeah, those those core values and even even a company mission or purpose statement, those things can help guide those decisions. If we're all in alignment over here with the with the stuff that probably is more deeply connected of where we're headed, then in the moment, whether it's practical or or strategic, I can trust more of your decision making ability because we're in alignment over here with these these things that really guide the bigger the bigger waves, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Okay. What would you say? I, I love your, your, again, your poise, your calculated risk analysis, even though you've jumped off the cliff several times, which I just totally appreciate. <laughs> uh, I assessed the risk and I did it anyway. <laughs> What's your formula for making good decisions? Like a decision comes across your desk today to make one of those big jumps again, or maybe it's just something small. What, what, yeah. do, you, what, what do you, what's your thought process? Yeah. So I kind of touched on it just a little bit right before, but I, I look at mission and values and our mission is to make everyday occasions special and memorable through exceptional spirits. And our values are education, knowledge, passion, customer service, and outside-the-box professionalism. And if my decision doesn't align with that mission and those values, then why am I putting energy into it? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're very, like, 
we talked about taking it from a transaction to an experience. We're very education driven. So we do a lot of tastings and classes and our bar is designed to support the retail selection we have because we have like a lot of specialty things. You walk in and it's not brands, not a lot of brands you recognize. It's a lot of unique things. So we have to teach people what to do with them. And it can be overwhelming when customers walk in to see all these products that they don't recognize. So, you know, our whole, our values surround having passion for talking to customers and teaching customers about those things and just giving good service and creating an experience of it. So if it doesn't align with that, then, you know, why are we putting effort into it? Yep. I love it. Next questions around KPIs. The way I like to say it is this, what's the one thing that you would track if you could only pick one? I would track return customers because in my business, I feel that when somebody walks in, in the door, they should have an experience that makes them want to come back. And they should yeah. be like, wow, that was a different type of liquor store. That's where I'm going to go going forward to learn something. Yeah. So to me, that's everything. When somebody walks back in the door, I'm like, great. Okay, we did our job. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of metrics around the returning dollar, but <clears throat> it's associated to the experience, which I love that you said that. And so your mission speaks to the experience, which then gets you the KPI that, that you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. Love that. What would you say is a book or maybe a business resource that you would recommend that you've gotten value from? Yeah, so it's an oldie but a goodie. I love the book, Start With Why, the Simon Sinek book. Yeah. For me, that was, I read that book during that first down period when I was in the old location and it, it really helped me connect with why why we do what we do and why why does running a liquor store matter <laughs> you know uh, right. and so it it it's really been the inspiration for all of our mission and values is is to elevate the experience that people have with these products and but it really it really started with that book so i would encourage anybody that's trying to grow their business to read the book and see if it resonates with you but you have to be able to tell people why you're doing what you're doing that's right. That's right. Yeah. No, no matter how mundane or regular that we think our business <laughs> is, you got to have that purpose. Okay. So what would you think, or what do you say, or what do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding, or if they're different with other entrepreneurs? Yeah. I mean, I think it's super important for me. It's been essential. And the person that I bought my business from was not really a mentor to me. It was basically transactional. And so I kind of had to figure it out myself. And you can probably imagine that being a 30-year-old female in a very male-dominated industry in a market with a lot of people that have been in the industry for a long time, I wasn't taken seriously at first (laughs) and really was on my own to figure it out. So for me, over time, meeting other, I was was graciously welcomed into a networking group of about 30 people that all own their own business about a year in. And that was huge for me the first five to seven years of yeah. just hearing from other business owners and learning from them. And then over time, I've, I've started my own. So there is a, a number of independently owned liquor stores in my market. And I formed an alliance of independently owned liquor stores because we're mostly a grocery store market. And I, I realized I was having a conversation with another independent store owner one day. And we were like, man, you know, it's hard to it's hard to fight against these huge box stores and, and the Amazons of the world. And how do you, how do you fight that fight? And we just said, you know what, 
we're better together. We're better working together and sharing information and ideas than trying to compete even more against each other. So there's about seven of us that have a local alliance of independent retail liquor stores in our market. And it's been great and amazing. But I think there's tons of resources out there. Yep. Yeah, the the value of those relationships really is what it is. Yes, there's insight. Yes, there's other businesses that you get to kind of dissect and learn from, but it's the relationship that, that yeah, matters absolutely. the most. I'm going to ask you a question about family. You mentioned your daughters. Yeah. You've been building a business, you know, through all the mom years. And so I guess I'll lay a quick foundation of my belief, which is that the work-life balance doesn't exist. It's a lie especially for entrepreneurs. And so what I, what I help try to people or help people try to embrace is a work-life obsession. You were obsessed and have been obsessed with your business. That's why you've been, been successful. And so my question is, how have you been obsessed with your daughters or your family in addition to the business at the same time? How, do yeah. you, how, how have you done it? I completely agree with you that it is, it's not a balance. It's a go full out in both areas. And I think, you know, the real answer is other things suffer. I don't have much of a social life most of the time or my social life revolves around my business or my kid. Right. But, you know, when when I'm with my kids, they have my attention and I run them around their activities and support them in, in what they want to be working towards. And that's super important to me. And one of the reasons I bought the business actually was I wanted to be my own boss so that I had the freedom to say, I'm going to be at my daughter's dance competition. That's what I'm going to do this weekend. And I know there's this event going on, but I've got an employee that can run that. I have some, you know, my daughters are my first priority. So that's yeah. when they have something going on, that's where I am. But being the owner, it gives me the flexibility to somewhat, you know, when it's a super important event, I can schedule the event when I can be there. <laughs> and yes. So to me, it was just, that's one of the beauties of being an entrepreneur is that you can control those things a little bit more in most cases, and at least in my case. And it allows me to give that 100% to both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because if you're balancing it, actually neither one gets the full 100%. Right, um, yeah. It's good. And I'm just tired of time is the real answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you said you didn't have a social life, it was funny, and my wife and I were talking the other day, and I was like, you know, it, here's the reality. Hmm. is that entrepreneurs, like real entrepreneurs, I don't mean just a business owner that has a business and they're kind of, you know, dinking around with it. I mean, somebody who like really loves business is like, I, you know, so someone else, I don't know, plays golf or someone else goes and does whatever. I don't know. I don't know what they do. I, right, do I, don't. I don't know what they do. <laughs> what, what I get, what I get my kicks and grins from is, is, is working and building and, uh, and of course there's, there's, I mean, I hunt and I do things with the family and I like, there's sure, other things. Yeah. I got hobbies, but not really yeah, though. My hobby, hobby right. is, my hobby is business. My hobby is really entrepreneurship. Is. Yeah. In my free time, like I, another sort of business that I started is I am one of the founding board members of Omaha Whiskey Fest, which is a huge whiskey event here in Omaha, uh, mm-hmm. coming up on our third event in October. And I was one of the founding members that created it and now run it. Yeah. And that's my free time. <laughs> you know, like, so what am I doing in my free I mean, it's adjacent to my daytime job business. Yeah. And, yeah. But I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work when it's something you love. 
And that's how I feel about both the business and the kids. I love both. So it, it's easy to give a hundred percent because it's what I want to be doing. Yeah. We get to live life. You know, I guess the end result, like you said, is maybe we're tired, but I would much rather have put it out all out on the field, both areas and loved every minute of it. I mean, of course there's difficulties. We've talked about those. Yeah, of course. course. Yeah. We have bad days. Yeah. But we put it all out. Like what what did we leave out there? You know, that's why I'm tired because we we did it. We did it. But it feels good. It's a good tired. (laughs) It is. It is. I have one last question here for you, Lori. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you had a chance to whisper in the younger Lori's ear, what would you say? I would say trust yourself and believe in yourself. And yeah, it just speaks to everything that I mentioned earlier that my biggest mistakes have been when I doubted my own judgment and doubted doubted my ability. And the more I could instill in myself to believe that I could do this, then, you know, the better off it would have been. So yeah. that's what I would say. How how does one listening to you right now go do exactly what you just told the lo- younger Lori to do? Like how do how do you go believe in yourself more? Yeah, I you know <laughs> I guess you have to fail a little bit and and keep trying. I think that I think that's how you build that that belief in yourself is that you you allow yourself to acknowledge the failures and keep moving forward. And then you trust, you'll start to trust yourself that you'll be able to keep moving forward no matter what. That's right. I was, uh, my three-year-old son a couple months ago learned how to ride his bike and it was really cool. He's been riding one of those balanced bikes for a little bit. And I told my wife, I was like, I think, I think he's ready. I think he's ready to, to do a, to do an actual bike. She's like, I think so. I'm like, yeah. So we put him on a bigger bike. And he, you know, 10 or 15 minutes later, he's riding and it's awesome. And as a dad and as a mom, I'm sure that you know that moment. Like, I, I know he's going to fall. And I need him to fall. Yes. A couple of times where it was going to be a wipeout and I caught him, but I didn't, I didn't stop him from falling. I, I still needed him to fall and then to learn how to fall yep. and then to be able to get back on and then to be able to realize that. It's not, I'm still alive. I didn't die. I made it through and I can get back on and I can continue writing. Is that what you just shared with all the entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I said earlier, failure is not an option. It's not that I'm afraid to fail because that's where we learn. You can't be afraid to fail. It's that when you fail, you have to get back up. So I guess that's really what I mean about it is that accepting failure at the end result isn't. Yeah, so good. Perseverance is everything. Lori, if we are in Omaha, Nebraska, or anywhere near, and we need some experience when it comes to spirits, yeah. uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't have your mission statement memorized, but- We are thirsty. Yeah, you just no, need a thirsty. Yes, yes. <laughs> or we want an event space to rent or whatever. Like, yes. How can we find you? Or as a business owner, how can we connect with you and just pick your brain? Yeah, so in Omaha, we're located in Exarvin Village, and you can walk in, come in and see us. If you want to connect with me personally, probably Facebook. And email are the best. My email listed on our website. You can open to receive email. And then connecting with the business is probably Instagram and Facebook are our two most active places. So love that. Very cool. Well, Lori, you you have not only been impressive in your journey, but you've given so much value here today. So we just wish you nothing but success. Blessings on your family and of course your team and your business and your brand new 
you know, all the cool things that you're doing in your new location, not brand new now, but all the cool things you're doing in that big old jump. Thank you again for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.